Welcome to another episode of Morning Coffee with your host, Rick Alexander. I started this show to talk about all of the interesting, complex, paradoxical, and sometimes uncomfortable aspects of the human experience. If you get anything from this show, the greatest compliment you could give me is to share this show with somebody that you think the message may resonate with or to head to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Additionally, if you want to interact with me, you can follow me at rickalexander underscore on Instagram. Without further ado, on to the show. which I've done a couple of times in the last month. And so if you haven't heard those, I would say go back and find the episodes labeled Wisdom Wednesday, and those will give you a little bit more insight into the way that I interpret the Tao, the way that I understand it. It's cool because as far as religions go, it really does flow in between religions. It's not uh, making metaphysical presuppositions as much as it's saying, Listen, if you were to get out of the way completely to stop all of the pushing and the pulling, which is a little bit of what we'll talk about today, the trying to force and coerce things, if you were to allow things to unfold however they are, however they would unfold without your manipulation, um, then that would bring intense well-being and flourishing. And that's what the Tao is. Before I get into today's show, I've also got the workshop coming up. Uh, on Thursday, the 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific time with Jessica DePazzi, and we're going over the science and spirituality of intuition, which I won't say a lot about it, but it's something that I think in the West we really tend to overlook. Like We prize certain kinds of knowing, certain kinds of intelligence, and when we do that, we leave other intelligences off the table, other things that are available for us to pull from a wisdom that's available that actually sits within us, but that we've like largely learned to stop listening to in the modern age. So if you're interested in that, there won't be a recording. So you do have to attend in person because uh, there's an interactive piece with this and we're actually going through the exercises and how to do it. Um, But you can pay whatever you want to be there as little as a dollar And I will link up how to register in the show notes of this episode, or you can just go to rickalexander.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll find the registration. So now we're going to kick off in verse 39 of the Tao Te Ching. And my version, so this has been translated, obviously, by many different people. So you can find different versions of this. It was written by, purportedly, supposedly, the Chinese mystic Lao Tzu. Though, with all of these wisdom teachers and spiritual teachings, like they sort of vanish into prehistory at some point. And so there's always speculation around these people, whether or not they existed or, you know, where it is that the wisdom came from. A lot of times it was like a tribe of people that would go by, that would use one spiritual teacher as their sort of pen name because they were under that school of thought. And so you see that often, you see it in the biblical traditions and you see it 
all over the world. So this one is by Stephen Mitchell, and this is like got to be one of my favorite translations of the Tao Te Ching. So verse 39, he says, In harmony with the Tao, remember this is the way, in harmony with the way, the sky is clear and spacious, the earth is solid and full, all creatures flourish together, content with the way they are, endlessly repeating themselves, endlessly renewed. When man interferes with the Tao, the sky becomes filthy, the earth becomes depleted, the equilibrium crumbles, creatures become extinct. The master views the parts with compassion because he understands the whole. His constant practice is humility. He doesn't glitter like a jewel, but lets himself be shaped by the Tao, as rugged and common as a stone. So something that stands out to me when I'm reading through this is in the very first verse, how he says, all creatures flourish together, content with the way that they are. This is an interesting phenomenon that is really, you can only attribute to human nature, right? Because we have the kind of seeing and knowing that is self-reflective. And so we have the ability to look at ourselves and say, oh, I think we should be different or I think we should be better or whatever it is. And you look out at nature and the way that all things flow together, there's a sort of chaos element to nature, obviously. It kind of is chaos. But yet, at the same time, underlying nature, there's some sort of intelligence, some sort of order that allows the whole thing, as the Tao says, to flourish together. The earth is solid and full. The sky is clear and spacious. And you get this imagery of the entire world sort of working together. And so then the idea that emerges here is it is the inability to accept what you are that is causing that flourishing to be thwarted. Because though nature is chaotic, though it's wild, though it's even brutal at points, right, even gruesome at points, there is still an intelligence about it, an order that just spontaneously emerges. You might say in mathematics, they would call that chaos theory. The, this pattern that emerges that allows the whole thing to continue. And you're a product of that, right? Because you're a product of nature. And so if you can get to the point where you can become content with exactly what you are and exactly who you are. This isn't to say that you don't continue trying to improve yourself. This is to say at the very basis of who you are, can you accept that? And I would go further and say, like, can you accept then the suffering that you're going to deal with? And can you accept the lot that you're being given? In Eastern philosophy, they would call that something like your dharma. So if you are, um, you struggle with certain thought patterns over and over, and you, you sort, of, sort of identify with those thoughts. And so in an Eastern view, they would say, well, your job here is to learn how to become free of those thoughts. Only you don't become free of them by rejecting them. You actually become free of them by accepting them and then letting them go. And that's how the wisdom goes. And also something that I am struggling with to a degree that's like almost hard to describe. I think that accepting our pain, accepting who we are, is one of the most difficult things for a human to do, specifically because of the nature of our intelligence and the nature of our knowing. And so that, I think, is the work 
because what happens is if we're constantly rejecting who and what we are, we don't have a foundation that we can then build on top of. And that's kind of why I mean by like, it's not that you don't improve yourself. It's that if you don't accept yourself, you can't improve yourself. And I think Carl Rogers, the humanist psychologist, talked a little bit about that in his work. He says, you know, the the curious paradox of being here is that I can't change myself, but once I accept myself as I am, then I can change. And so that idea is, is kind of hidden within this verse. It goes on to say, when man interferes with the Tao, the sky becomes filthy, the earth becomes depleted, the equilibrium crumbles, creatures become extinct. This is obviously what we're dealing with in the modern age, right? We prize growth. I've done a podcast on this, I think last summer. We prize growth over harmony. So over the flourishing of all things together, we say, no, you've got to grow. Like if we have a down quarter in business, it becomes the end of the world. If as humans, we're not growing constantly, becoming the best version of ourselves constantly, then we think that something is wrong. And because we don't prize harmony, we prize growth, we end up pushing and pulling against the Tao and we're not allowing the flourishing of things to happen. I've said it before, but things that grow without any regard for anything else kill everything. That's what cancer does. That's what cancer is. It's this um, continue replication without any regard for harmony or the flow of things. It's just grow at all costs. And that's deep within the Western psyche because we got to where we are on outgrowing everybody else, right? And outgrowing ourselves too. Like that's what the industrial revolution is. It's like, oh, we can stack these things together and we can replicate them faster and then we can feed more people and we can do more things. And obviously that's the road that we're on. And it's not to say that that's a bad thing, but every part, like you could think about throughout history, every time of the world has to prize something else in order for the good to flourish. And so perhaps there was generations where prizing productivity made a lot of sense because it helped us democratize education and technology and it's helped kind of, you know, the idea that the rising tide raises all ships. And so what's happened is we've been able to proliferate both good and bad ideas around the world, but lots of good ideas. Like I was deployed to East Africa in the middle of nowhere, but had Wi-Fi so that I could like Zoom or Skype at the time back to my loved ones. And at the same time, you could use that same internet for educational opportunities that were definitely not present in East Africa before. But maybe then we reach a point like we are now where we have to let go of our old ideals and let go of everything, so to speak, and just see what's actually emerging. Allow the intelligence that is within us, that does underlie all of nature, to emerge. And then you feel, then what happens is you realize you can become, you can get in flow with the Tao. You don't have to push and pull and force and coerce and manipulate. You can actually just let go of everything and just be what you are. And then the natural outpouring of that is far closer to actually what you want. The problem is you don't get to know that until you actually let go. It says the master views the parts with compassion because he understands the whole. Well, that's what God is, right? God is the archetype of wholeness. And so when you have that archetype as your highest ideal, the thing that you aim at, then you see all of the parts as 
working together for that whole. You see all of the people as God's children, right? You see all of nature as God's creation. You see, well, and it really depends on what your manifestation or image of God is, right? Whether it's Eastern or Western, it kind of depends. But the point is that what God is, is that archetype of wholeness. And if you have an appreciation for that and you have an aim at that, then you can kind of start to view all of the parts with compassion. It's almost a byproduct of that. And then this final part, talking still about the master. The master, every time it's referred to the master in the Tao, it's sort of someone that has learned to let go completely and live in accordance with the natural way and unfolding of things. It says his constant practice is humility. He doesn't glitter like a jewel, but lets himself be shaped by the Tao, as rugged and common as a stone. One of the things, if you've ever had awe inspired within you or been in a position where you like really, really felt at awe, you realize that awe is medicine. And the reason it acts as medicine, like there's a healing element to awe. And the reason is because it puts you in right relationship with the entirety of all that you are, right? And so you see you as a finite creature in relationship to something so magnificent and so glorious. That's what awe is. And there's something freeing about that because you realize you don't have to be in charge of deciding the way of things because you're just a product of the way of things. And so if you can let go of that, and that's why I said, I think that's why his constant practice is humility. It's constantly putting yourself in right relationship with the way of things and allowing them to unfold without feeling like you're the one that has to manipulate it. Because when you feel like you have to make things happen, like you have to control the outcome, you have to force things, you're inflating your ego. And if you have to if you have to control everything, you've now inflated your ego to the whole, to God. And the problem with doing that is that then you take on the burden of doing that. You take on the burden of actually knowing right and wrong, like ultimately right and wrong. You take on the burden of knowing how things should unfold. And the truth is you have no idea how they should unfold. And that's why so many bad things and tragedies that we go through end up becoming overwhelmingly positive in the final analysis. Not everything, but certainly some things. And the fact that some things do, breakups, firings from jobs, the fact that they do become so overwhelmingly positive is reason enough to realize that you don't have any damn clue how this thing should go, really. Again, it's not to say it always works out. It's to say that sometimes it does, even when you couldn't imagine how. And so the practice there is humility. It's putting yourself in right relationship with all that is and trusting that it's going to go the way that it should. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this Wisdom Wednesday. We'll talk later on Morning Coffee.